0: Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. I want to give you encouragement in this Christmas season. Amen? And I want you to uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 1, verse 30. Now, if you know me, most of you know me, I'll turn a Christmas sermon into a preaching sermon. Come on. Thank you, Miss Linda. Come on. But it's it's still the theme of... Christmas, but I want to bring it in to how it applies to you personally. Oh, that was that. was no amens. Come on, guys. Usually, you guys are the strong ones over here. But you know, a lot of times we, you know, churches would retell the Christmas story, and we all know, you know, and the and you know the, the Jesus was born as a uh, baby, and you know, in Bethlehem, and we all know that. But I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna share what happened over two thousand years ago. Aren't you glad he came? And I'm going to apply it on how it relates to us. Now, again, I realize that this season is a challenging one for many of us, particularly in our spiritual community. But I'm going to ask you to let the Word of God speak to you. Can I hear an amen? Come on, turn to someone and say, let the Word speak to you. Father, we thank you for this time for our wonderful RCC community. We ask you that truly that your Word will go forth and bring great hope and encouragement for our spiritual family. We bind distractions. We bind anything that the enemy was trying to do. And I pray, Lord God, like the Apostle Paul prayed, that I do not speak with persuasive language only, but in the demonstration of your spirit and power. Release your your blessings and release your spirit in Jesus' name. And everyone said? All right, Luke chapter 1, verse 30 is going to be up on the screen. Now, I don't know if, you, uh, um, I don't know if uh, today just kind of flow with me, because there's so, there's, I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures but I believe that the scriptures speak for itself, and they're a great reminder of what we need to apply in our life. Now, look at this. Now, the angel Gabriel, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm fast-forwarding because if I read the whole story of Luke 1, it will take a longer time. So um, I'm, I'm fast-forwarding where the, Gabriel, where the angel Gabriel, everybody say angel Gabriel harvest just did a, an amazing class on angel angelology, right and um hey amen wasn't it good i told you guys you could, i told you see you're getting this so that means you're good right uh but the angel there there is the presence of angels not only in the bible times but now everybody say now now where people have gone off is that they start you know glorifying angels and worshiping angels and the, and it makes the message of angels not not relevant but angels still work now the reason I say this is because this wasn't any angel that came to Mary. This was Gabriel, the archangel, who was in the presence of the Lord. Okay, I mean, when you deliver a news like what you're about to hear, you just don't send any angel. All right, it was the archangel Gabriel, right? So I'm fast-forwarding because the, in the a few verses before, in Luke chapter 1, the Bible says Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, came to Mary because she was found, had favor. Now, with that in mind, look at what the Lord says. The angel said to her, "'Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God.'" Now, I know you've read this a million times. Just follow me. Just follow me. "'And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, Ha <laughs> and ha. Sh- and, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great.'" And will be called the son of the highest. Now, we read this story a million times, but I want you to put yourself in the place of Mary hearing this news. I want you to act as if you were were Mary, and you're hearing this. You got visited by the archangel Gabriel, and you're hearing this news. How would you respond? How would you react? Okay? We all know this, so we're like, oh, yeah, I know what's coming next. But Mary didn't, right? And he will be called the son of the highest. The baby that's going to be in your womb while you're a virgin. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And, his, and of his kingdom, there will be no end. Someone say Hallelujah. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man or since I am a virgin? When that says know a man, it's not like, what's up, I know you. That phrase, since I don't know a man, speaking of intimate relationship with the the person, okay? And so he says, how can this be since I'm still a virgin, right? Verse 35, and the angel answered and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, who I feel a preaching going on right here, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month of her who was called barren. Are you ready with this? For with God, nothing is impossible. For with God, nothing Is impossible. Now you you have to backtrack to understand why the angel said, "By the way, with God, nothing is impossible." He plugged that in because the archangel Gabriel just told Mary, "Nothing is impossible." Because I don't know if you if you saw it or not. Because we read through it a lot. The angel Gabriel just finished announcing three absolutely improbable and impossible scenarios in the natural. He just announced to Mary three. I'm going to show you these three. We're going to backtrack. Three back to back to back. Imagine you receiving one impossible news. Like it's absolutely impossible for you to even comprehend. And then you receive another one that's absolutely impossible to comprehend. And then another one all in the same sentence. Oh, and the one who's saying this to you is the archangel Gabriel. So why do I say this? Because I want you to see this. First, the angel told Mary... The absolutely ridiculous and incomprehensible announcement that Mary, who was a virgin and never had any relationship with, with a man, is going to be pregnant. Now, listen, listen. You guys are not shouting yet, but let me just say this. If your daughter came home pregnant, come on, man. I know you guys are looking at me now. And you say, what is going on? And she says... You're not going to believe this, but I'm still a virgin. How are you going to respond to that type of announcement that, hey, I am pregnant by God? Think about that. Think about that language. That's that's good enough to slap that girl. How dare you disrespect God like that? Now watch. Now watch. I'm going to encourage you here. The angel said, Mary, nothing is impossible with God. Why? Because the first uh, impossibility that the angel announced to her in her finite mind is that you're going to be pregnant and still be a virgin. And then as she's recovering from that, I'm just imagining, she's like, what? How is that going to be? What? God is it pre- pregnant come up at what? The angel says another bomb and says, "Oh, by the way, not only are you going to be pregnant with and still be a virgin and not have intimacy with any man, you the, the baby that you're going to be pregnant with, by the way, he's the son of God. He's the son of God. This is not just a little prophet that's going to be born. It's not just going to be a a nice servant that's going to do well. You have to, in your womb, Mary, you're going to have the everlasting son of God that's coming from heaven and deciding to come into your womb as a form of man. And then if that's not enough, as she's recovering from that, the third impossibility that the angel Gabriel said to her is, hey, and by the way, while you're still recovering from this news that I'm telling you, Your relative, Elizabeth, who's been barren all her life, she's six months pregnant. And then the angel said, Mary, look at me. I'm paraphrasing. Nothing is impossible with God. Why did the angel say that? Because in her face, I I wasn't there to see her face. She must have been utterly astounded to hear Number one, she's going to be impregnated and the Holy Spirit is going to do the the, the work of the impregnation. Number two, she is going to have the baby in her womb is going to be the son of God. What a responsibility that is. The holy son of God. And number three, someone who was called barren all her life, all her life is suddenly going to have a baby. And that's when the angel of the Lord says, nothing is impossible with God. Come on, say that. Nothing is impossible with God. Come on, say it. Nothing is impossible for God. And I want to encourage you this morning, I don't care how bad your situation is, nothing is impossible with God. I want to encourage you that no matter how bad your family situation is in this holiday season, nothing is impossible with God. I want to encourage you that no matter how bad your marriage or your relationships are, nothing is impossible with God. Come on. You you may have settled on the fact that you'll never have joy again. You may have settled on the fact that you'll never have peace again. You may have settled on the fact that, that your financial situation may never turn around again because it's been the same for years. You may have settled on the fact that certain relationships that have been broken in your life can never be restored again, but God. Says with God, nothing is impossible. You may have a pain or an affliction or a sickness that you've been carrying for years, and you've gone to every doctor just like the woman with the issue of blood. And you're resolved to the fact, I think I'm gonna have this for the rest of my life. Trust me, I've thought about that many times with what I'm going, I'm probably gonna have this, and then I have to then I have to rest with it. But God says, I'm I'm currently I'm currently seeing in my own life relationships that I thought okay I just got to move on will never it will never be the same suddenly are being restored and it's it suddenly not only is it bringing me healing and joy but there's ministry coming out of that restoration. Like, we're working together. There's people that I'm working together with that we're coming together. And, and, and just maybe six months ago, I would have said, this, this has been longstanding that we haven't spoke to each other. And all but God. Come on. But God. With God, nothing is impossible. I don't know or care. Well, I do care. But I don't know what you're facing or the amount that you're facing right now. Nothing is impossible with God. That $30,000 that's above our uh, operating budget, it's nothing with God. I wanna encourage you this season. This is just my intro, praise God. I wanna encourage you, (laughs) I wanna encourage you this season, this Christmas season, seriously. Make it a habit. I want you to believe God for the impossible in your life. Can you? Can you believe God for the impossible, right? If Mary got this crazy, ridiculous news, that, let, let's just, can I, can I just be honest with you guys? It's fair to say that the impossible news that Mary faced is much greater than the impossible news that we're facing. There is no greater impossibility, <laughs> right? I'm not talking about, our, you know, the, the, the scientific methods that we have now that when someone is barren, you could take, you know, uh, the sperm of the, uh, and the egg and put it to, to, together. I'm not talking, they didn't have that back then. What I'm talking about is there is probably no greater impossibility than what you just heard. Yet the angel encouraged Mary with these words, with God, nothing is impossible. Absolutely nothing is impossible with God. Amen. And so, so Jesus, I want you to put that first slide up. Jesus came to this earth so that humanity could finally have hope. He came to this earth so that humanity could find hope. Now, some of this is going to be basic for you, but you know what? Sometimes we need a reminder that Jesus truly is our all in all. That's what I I titled this message. He is our all in all. You know, in the book of uh, Acts, I believe, uh, Paul was walking through, and and he's he's realizing there's a statement there. He says, in him we live and breathe and move and have our very being. He is our all in all. Amen? And if you fast forward, now this is where I'm going to get at. Some of you have heard me share the scripture that I'm about to share with you because it's one of my favorites. But I'm going to bring a little different twist to it this morning because I want to relate to it as why Jesus came on the earth, why the Holy Spirit anointed him for our benefit. For our benefit. I just want to pause and say this when God anoints you, it's not just for you. Is for the people's benefit. And if you fast forward, if you fast forward to, um, to the very first appearance of Jesus after his preparation season was over in the wilderness. Because you know he had a preparation season, right? So Jesus, we're, we're fast forwarding. He grew up from being a baby. And I realized that in that Christmas we celebrate the, the coming of the Lord for the first time as a baby. But let's I have a news flash for you. He didn't stay a baby. He came as a baby, right, and he grew up, but he had to grow up in order for for us to fulfill and receive the things that God has for us, right? So if you fast forward, watch this, to the very first public appearance in ministry, not that the first time people saw Jesus, no. If you fast forward right after he went to the wilderness, after his preparation season, before he ever preached a word, before we ever said anything about ministry, all right? If you fast forward to that one spot where he's about to, watch this, God is about to introduce him for the first time. His very first words when it comes to ministry, his very first phrases when it comes to ministry is all about describing why the Holy Spirit has anointed him. And you could basically see four out of the five reasons that Jesus discussed of why he came on the earth and why the Holy Spirit anointed him, all in one verse. And that's in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, I want you to see this. This is a very familiar scripture, but I'm, I'm celebrating Jesus of why he came on the earth and what he claimed to offer and why the Holy Spirit anointed him. Especially us charismatics, we need to see this in scripture because we think that the Holy Spirit comes upon us so that we could be so anointed that people fall down when we pray for them. I heard Pastor John. Pastor John is gangster. I love him. He said we were talking about you know about about some of these things, and he's like, "Yeah, there's some people that are anointed when they pray, and the power of God comes, and, and they get knocked down. But they can, but can they raise people up from wheelchairs? <laughs> it's Like you can knock them down, but could you get them up?" The purpose of the Holy Spirit, my friends, is not for you to have a chill bump experience. It's not for you to look at your arms and see how many hairs are standing up because you feel a wave of the presence of God coming on you. The Holy Spirit is not exuberance. The Holy Spirit is not, uh, is not here just to make you rich or all that stuff. There's a purpose That the Holy Spirit comes on you. And Jesus made it very clear, this is why I'm coming to earth. This is why the Father sent me. And this is why I was anointed. Watch this. Luke chapter 4, very popular scripture, verse 16. If you guys know me, this is one of my hallmark scriptures when it comes to inner healing. But I'm not talking only about inner healing today. All right. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. So Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And As his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Imagine this, man! You guys are coming to church, and there's a, there's a tradition in the church. You come and you sit down in the synagogue, and when it's your turn, you stand up to read. And they could hand you any book. They could say, "Because your turn to read here, uh, you're going to read Proverbs today." <laughs> oh man, you guys are not happy as I am here. He stood. He stood up to read. He just he's, he's like, it's, it's, "I'm going to the synagogue." And I mean, stand up to read now, now. Now, notice this. Watch this. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he opened the book, he found the place on purpose where it was written, "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me." Verse eighteen. This is where you're going to find four out of the main five things. Right? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Say, the Lord is upon me. Why? Because He has anointed me to preach the gospel. To the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Say, heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Say, liberty to the captives. And recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty to those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then, I love this, I love this. He closed the book. And gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And all the eyes of those who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say this. This is prophetic. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He stands up in the synagogue. They hand him the, pro- the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. For him, for the Son of God to read, they didn't know he was the Son of God, and he opens the book to Isaiah and he reads the 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 story about himself. He opens it and he goes, "Let me find where my father spoke about me through the prophet Isaiah. There it is." And he said, "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor." He has anointed me. Watch this, not for a goosebump experience, to heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty those who are bound and captive, to open blind eyes, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he goes like this, and everybody was doing that. Like you're looking at me, they're like. And then he says this. I love this, guys. What you just heard today, it starts today. This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing from this moment forward. You are going to receive every benefit of what I just described, of why the Holy Spirit has come upon me. Because if you have a broken heart, I have your answer. If you're bound, I have your answer. If you want good news, I have the answer. And I'm here to tell you that today this scripture is still fulfilled in your hearing. Today, he's still standing up and saying to you, this is not far reached from me. I came to the earth, yes, in this Christmas season, but I came for a purpose, not just so that, don't get mad at me, not just so that you could celebrate each other and, and exchange gifts. I'm glad that that's happening. I came because the Spirit of God was going to do something specifically so that I could release it to humanity. And those four or five things, all in one verse, in my opinion, Jesus describes and ca- uh, he, he sums up the whole, one of the whole main reasons why he was on the earth. If you're brokenhearted, he is your healer. If you're oppressed, and I'm going to talk about that, the reason why I I have a long series on this, a long study on this, which I won't get to it, but that word oppressed also has to do with broken heart. So that's why I, I, I didn't include that. Liberty to the captives speaks of something else, which I'm going to break down these four things, right? But the word oppressed actually means bruised bruised i've said that to you before in the old king james so when he's talking about healing of the broken heart and those who are bruised he's actually listen talking about seeking to heal people who have physically broken heart in their emotions in their emotions okay so i'm going to say this because i'm going to give you these four i'm going to break these four things down and then we're going to pray we're going to eat some good food, but I'm going to encourage you that whatever you need this morning, spiritually and emotionally and mentally, is all found in Luke 4 verse 18. I'm going to say that again. Anything that you need spiritually, emotionally or mentally from Jesus, from Jesus, from Jesus, from the presence of God in your soul, in your emotions, is found in Luke 4 verse 18. All right? All right. And because the Bible wants us whole. Everybody say whole. We all know in Thessalonians, the Bible says we're made up of spirit, soul, and body. There's some people that are healed physically or they're well physically, but they're dysfunctional in their mind and their emotions. Come on, somebody. Some of us are dysfunctional even as we're sitting in church in our emotions. Our emotions are not right. Our mentality is not right. It's messed up. It's hurt. It's wounded. Our emotions are wounded. Our minds are, are messed up in many areas. But yet we have no physical problem. Well, that's not wholeness. But yet, on the other t- end, we could have no problems emotionally or mentally, and we could just kind of like be emotionally, okay, we don't have any bitterness with anybody, we don't have any anger, we don't, we don't have depressions, um, depressional thoughts, yet our physical body is hampered with sickness, disease. And w- guess what, what happens when you have a physical affliction? It hinders a lot of what you can do. And that in itself could cause emotional trauma. I know. Now, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus highlights, you can put that, uh, that, um, that slide up, Zach. Jesus highlights four major reasons why he came on the earth and was anointed by the Holy Spirit for our benefit. So what I'm going to do in, these, in the next uh, um, 15, 20 minutes or so, uh, or 30 or 40, I don't know how much I have. <laughs> is I'm going to give you scripture from all from verse 18. So it's like you're not going to have to 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 search along. I'm going to give you some supporting scriptures afterwards, but my goal is to first break down these four main reasons the Holy Spirit came on the earth and was anointed for our benefit. I'm going to give you the scripture phrase in verse 18 and then I'm going to give you the practical application of what that means. Is that is that do you understand? Okay. So then the first the first uh thing that we see in verse 18 the scripture that we see in the practical application look at put it up there it's to preach the gospel and i put the good news you know why and that that the, the practical application to that is salvation spiritual healing because the pr- purpose for preaching the gospel is in hopes that the holy spirit will take the gospel and convict hearts to people for people to repent to get saved jesus came to pronounce the good news let me tell you let me tell you church the gospel is good news it's not bad news the gospel is good news actually if you translate the word gospel it means good news. Now what is the good news? Here's the good news that the eternal uncreated God came on the earth and he died and on the cross to offer forgiveness of sins, wiped out the debt that was in us and so that we could have salvation to our soul, eternal life and intimacy with God again. That's the good news. That we don't have to slay animals to get right with God. That because Jesus came on the earth and died on the cross, we could go right now straight to heaven in our relationship with Jesus. We could, we could pass the veil and we could go straight to Jesus through the power of the blood. Church, that's the good news. Now remember, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching a little prophetically here, so there's a lot of things that you could apply to this verse. But for the sake of this message, this verse is speaking about the need of salvation. Now look, I want everyone to zoom in me for, for, for a little bit. We have a lot of people that come to church every week. We have a lot of people that know church attendance, or they've experienced church etiquette, or they've experienced church attendance, or they've experienced church programs, and yet have never encountered... In- encounter the person of Jesus. Do you know that it's, there's people literally by the thousands that go to church every week all over the world, and they're involved in church attendance, and they're involved in church programs, and they're involved in church attendance, yet never have encountered God. And there's even some that I know because I read about them. There's some churches, some, de- some e- churches and some denominational churches that I've read about, that there's some good people, very good people that have been on staff for years, And don't know the scriptures and never have been saved. Because they said, I want to work for a church that has a good environment, a peaceful environment, and I like to help people. See, there's a lot of people that are good. They they like to help people and stuff. But they're not saved. Here's my question. You know what the biggest, greatest miracle of all the earth, greater than someone walking out of a wheelchair, greater than, than, than someone coming out of the dead, is our new birth experience in Christ. The greatest miracle on the earth is when someone says, I receive the good news of the gospel of Jesus, and I am saved, and my spirit is regenerated from darkness to light. Oh, man, do you know that it's possible, that it's possible to go to church, even Bible study every week, and still not encounter God? Oh, you watch this! I love the TP, the Passion Translation the TPT, the TPT. Look at John chapter five. Look at this. Look at John chapter five, verse thirty-nine through forty in the Passion Translation. Are you ready for this? Now, these are people like let me, before you read it. Before you read it, because I know you're anxious to read it. There, you got to be careful also on the other side of things. So there's 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 some there's two types of Christians that that um that kind of fall into this category. The first one is, you know, they're just well-meaning people. They, they just love the people of God. They want to go and they want to uh, be in church programs and stuff, um, but they never encounter Jesus, right? Or they're not even saved. That's a good question to ask this morning. Are you even saved? Are we saved? Did, are you born again? Uh, that, that's, that, word, that word is old school to some of you. Born again. Jesus said, unless you are born again, you cannot enter heaven right Nicodemus came to him by night and said, hey listen watch this look the, the type of Christian that I'm about to describe a scholar in the scriptures and he came to him by night and he says what I got to do he goes you got I love Jesus you got to be born again and he and he didn't he didn't describe he didn't you know describe how, what that meant and Nicodemus big scholar in the in, in the scrolls and reading of the scriptures says how is that possible do, you, do we go into the womb again And he goes, you're a teacher of Israel, you don't know these things? You you don't know what I'm talking about? Now watch this. There's, There's the Nicodemus Christians, which here's the Nicodemus Christians. Are you ready for this? They're people that get their identity by a lot of studying, by a lot of reading, and they could quote scriptures better than me, but they don't know the Lord. All right. Look at what Jesus said. Jesus, Jesus said this. You're busy analyzing the scriptures. He's not busy analyzing the world, but when he's talking about these scribes and Pharisees, he said, you're busy searching all this truth that you're missing the point of it all. You're busy analyzing the scriptures, frantically pouring over them in hopes that you could gain eternal life, yet everything you read points to me. Oh, God, I feel like having a praise break right there. Yet everything you read points to me. Yet you're trying to get your identity by a lot of study and a lot of breaking down. And you, and, you, and you want to prove people wrong. Let me tell you something. That is not the agenda, that, the reason why God wants to anoint you so that you could prove everybody wrong. Yet you still refuse to come to me. Look, look at verse 41. Look at verse 41. Woo. Look at verse 41. Okay, then I'll, sorry, verse 40. You're busy, you're busy analyzing the scriptures, frankly, pouring over them in hopes of getting eternal life. Everything you need points to me. You still refuse to come to me, watch this, so I can give you the life you're looking for. Wow. Wait, wait, wait. It's possible that you miss what he's actually trying to offer you. While you're searching the scriptures, while you're frantically, you know, going to church and all that is good. Let me tell you something. But we're not going to get to heaven by your perfect church attendance. Trust me, I want perfect church attendance. But that's not how you get to heaven. Do you realize that Jesus came to the earth for this He came on the earth and was anointed by the Spirit, by the the first one, to preach the gospel, the good news, in hopes that people might be saved. And Romans says, how will they hear unless the preacher is, is preaching and is sent? How will they know unless they hear? And how will they hear unless a preacher tells them? This is what the greatest miracle is about. The first reason he came is to bring salvation. Oh, amazing grace. How sweet the sound who saved a wretch like me. I once was lost and now am found, But blind, but now I see. Isn't that amazing? His amazing grace came to save us. That is why. And I know this is so popular, but I just, for the sake of hammering this point, why did Jesus come? John three sixteen and 17. We see it in football games, but we don't see verse 17 in football games. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever... We need to remind ourselves of these scriptures that we, knew, that we know, right? We need to say it again. Listen, that, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17... For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Oh, what a God we serve. He didn't come for the first time to condemn the world, but through the world, through him, the world might be saved. So the first reason that the Spirit of God came upon him was to preach the good news of the gospel in hopes that salvation will come at the hearing of the good news. Before I go to my second point, you may be a Nicodemus in this place. You may be one of those people that are not Nicodemus, but you just love church atmosphere. Who wouldn't love love love? Think about it. Who would not love love? Like, if you feel loved and you feel prayed, that's why when I go places late, like- you can ask my wife, I just, I, all I do is just talk to people. And this is what I find that moves people. When I just talk to them, I go, is there anything that you need prayer for? Nine times out of ten, they're like, you showed interest in me? Yeah, I, you know, is there anything, I'm a, I'm a passion? I would love to pray for you. As they open up about their prayer, I got them. Because they start opening up, and then I said, you know, there is an answer to all of this. His name is Jesus. We make evangelism so hard. Like, I got to remind, I got to get this, you know, I got to re- do this four steps. And, hey, how are you? My name is George. And I I want to share with you about the gospel that Jesus came and, and died for you. Just love on people. Here's my point. Here's my point. You may be one of those people today, before I go to my second point, that just love church atmosphere, love church programs, love community. Or you may be a Nicodemus that you're just want to continue deep in study as a historical thing and you want to keep doing all that stuff, studying is good, but if it's not leading you to Jesus, then you may check your, your heart if there's any pride in there. What's the motive of, your, of that, right? And so, do you know Jesus? That's the key. Do you know Jesus in all your studying or do you know Jesus in just your church attendance? You'll be shocked. You guys, you guys are saying amen, but you'll be shocked to find people that come to church every Sunday in churches all over the world, and they come consistently, and they have very little knowledge about who Jesus is. So that's the first reason. The second reason, and you're going to love this, you're going you're gonna, you're, you're gonna to get, get healed by this. Here's a second one, the second scripture. Ready? He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. No matter how many times I share this, no matter how many times I say this, I don't know if it's because that's the anointing that God has put on our church or our lives. But I always, always, always know that that's for somebody when I say it. And it usually is. Because no matter what day or season we are in life, there are almost in every day there's somebody that is hurting. He has sent me to heal the broken heart. That speaks of emotional healing. Say emotional healing. Emotional healing of what? Emotional healing from the past hurts from the past, right? So I'm going to break this practical practical stuff. What is emotional healing? What really is inner healing? When well, we call it that, right? There's a lot of buzzwords for that. Hurt or pain from the past or present. Relational hurt. You're not saying amen to me. It's okay. Emotional wounds that we have picked up include anger, habitual anger, bitterness, unforgiveness. Those are all emotional wounds that need healing from a broken heart. Do you know that a broken heart produces unforgiveness? Yes, there's pain. Yes, there's sorrow. Yes, but if you're not careful and if you don't combat against that, unforgiveness will sneak in. Will sneak in into a broken heart, right, Look at this revelation. Look at this revelation I'm about to give you. So when we say Jesus, when we say when we're when we're broken before the Lord, right? When our, we're not broken as far as pain before the Lord, but when we're broken and yielded to the Lord. It's God's way of opening up a heart so he could deposit, watch this, his plans, his presence, his word in our heart. And he uses that surrendered brokenness. Watch this. He uses that as a flower to now Now that it's opening up, I can seal and heal my word. The enemy does the exact same thing and the opposite. He waits till you're broken to release unforgiveness. Because your heart is kind of opening and he goes, now is the time. Now they're hurt right now, but I'm going to release some anger, some unforgiveness, some bitterness, and some offense while their heart is hurting. And I'm going to cause them to think about that hurt so much that it's going to translate or escalate or evolve into unforgiveness. Because we all know that it first starts as being hurt. And then if you're not careful, it will evolve into unforgiveness. If you've ever had a very, very hurtful relational uh, reality in your life, whether it's through your family, through a spouse, ex spouse, or a a best friend, and you felt betrayed, the first initial response of that betrayal or or that um, dynamic is hurt always. You feel hurt. And then after a while, your heart will tend to harden. Oh, Jesus. Jesus said, I came to heal that type of reality in your life. I not only come to heal your spirit being saved and your soul, but I came to hear your emotions. I came to heal your heart that has been shattered into a billion pieces emotionally. And I want to give you another scripture. In the Old Testament, we all know in Psalm 34, the Bible has a promise in the Old Testament. But I want you to see this. So in the, Psalm 34, the Bible says, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them from all their troubles. Right? We know that, right? Now here's a promise in the Old Testament. This is before Jesus came and died on the, on the cross. Right? The, now look at the next verse. Look at the next verse in verse 18. The Lord is near. By saying near. The Lord is near those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. He is near the broken heart and we say amen. But there's something greater because in the Old Testament, he was near to the broken hearted. In the New Testament, he heals the broken hearted. Come on. He is near those who have a broken heart. But when Jesus came. He escalated the bar. He goes, I'm raising the bar. I'm not just going to be near the brokenhearted. I'm going to heal the brokenhearted. Because what my spirit is going to do when I go on the cross is not going to offer salvation for all mankind. But I'm here to let people know that I do see their pain emotionally. See, charismatics, we think that, that Jesus doesn't care about your emotions. We think that Jesus is like, well, you know what, just go, hurry up and get, get it over with, and then you can serve me. No, he is concerned. We do not have a high priest that cannot sympathize with all of our infirmities, but in every area he was tempted, but sin not. He knows what it feels like to feel lonely. He knows what it feels like, what, well, Pastor George? Yes, he does. The Bible says you will all abandon me. He knows what it feels like to be betrayed. He knows what it feels like to have the possibility of unforgiveness to enter in, but never have that in one second. He knew that Judas, who he loved, was going to betray him, and yet he still had dinner with him and still kissed him. (sighs) Emotional pain has to do with what happens to you, and you've been hurt. And therefore, you have picked up something that some of you are carrying to this day. You're picking up, you've picked up an offense maybe five years ago, or a church hurts you, or a leader hurts you, or you've been so condemned because of your own sin that you feel so in pain in your heart that you're not worthy to be a son or a daughter. Jesus says, I have news for you. There's nothing that you could do that stops you from healing your broken heart. There's nothing that can have ever happened to you or will ever happen to you that will ever be less or more than my ability to heal that brokenness. He could heal that broken marriage. He could heal that broken relationship. He could heal that broken heart. He could heal, even watch this, the memory of the pain that you have. Listen, if God could wipe out scars from people in miracle services, I've seen scars, scars being removed. How about the, the emotional scars? He could deal with that too. He could deal with your scars. And Jesus said, the, reason, the second reason that the Lord has anointed me, watch this, is to heal broken hearts today. If I were to do a poll, which I'm not, because this always happens, and I would say, who in here has suffered or is currently suffering from pain emotionally or mentally? Half of the room would raise their hands up. But my, my point to you is not to say ignore that pain. What I'm saying to you is know that Jesus, watch this, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So today... If you have a broken heart because of someone that left you, if you have a broken heart because of financial burdens that are, are causing such pain, if you suffered unforgiveness and bitterness because of mistreatment in your life and you can't shake that, I want you to know that you can let it go today. You can let it go today and you can allow the Lord, the God that heals not, ju- not just in, in one area, but that God that heals could be your healer for your emotions and for your mind. And let me just say this. This is not in my notes, but I'll say this. It's actually for your benefit. You cannot afford to continue walking this way with a broken heart you cannot you cannot afford in 2020 to continue with a broken heart listen stop trying to wait for the other person to come to you and apologize stop trying to wait for I don't know why I'm saying this but stop waiting stop waiting for for someone to admit that they were wrong stop waiting for things to just magic turn around and give it purposely to God because God is going to bring healing once you do that I've said it before a million times, but there's many new people here. The, the spirit of bitterness or the spirit of offense will never let you go. You have to let it go. It's up to you. It's not up to the it's not up to, offense doesn't say, you know what, I've held you for 20 years. I think, I think, you know, it's time to go to another person. It will never, ever let you go. Can I hear an amen? So one of the reasons we celebrate Jesus in this Christmas season is because God decided to come to earth. Also to heal the brokenness of our soul, the brokenness of our mind by his love and his power. Can I hear an amen? I want that to be you today. Make it a point that you say, you know what? He is my all in all and today I'm going to decide to give him over my, watch this, my brokenness so that I could have joy again back in my life. Can I hear an amen? Number three. See, I told you I'm going pretty good. I'm going pretty quick. Number three, the third reason that the Bible says in Luke four eighteen that the Spirit of God came on him was to proclaim liberty to the captives. Verse 18, deliverance, the practical application to that, the prophetic application to that is deliverance from addictions and demonic oppression. Preach, Holy Ghost. Deliverance from addictions and demonic oppressions. There's probably more that you could put up there. But with the phrase proclaim liberty to the captives, it can mean many things. But prophetically, it means that not only does he come to save our soul, not only does he come to heal the brokenhearted. Watch this. He has the power to set you free from any addiction, from any demonic torture or torment or night-night torture or paralysis that you're having, any demonic manifestation. Jesus flicks it off as if it's nothing, because the Bible says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. He said, like lightning. He says, this is nothing for me. But if you put your trust in me, at the name of Jesus, all demonic power and all addictions must flee. Let me tell you, there are certain medications that will do nothing for certain addictions that people are having. And the only way that we could get set free put that out there. The only power, uh, the the, only the power of the living Christ could truly break addictions and demonic bondages to set people free indeed. There's certain things that people are doing that they can't stop what they're doing. I'm going to just preach here for a little bit. If you can't stop doing something, Okay, I'm going to get a little, this is going to be a little controversial, okay? So I'm just, but I want you to, I'm saying this only so that you could not justify this anymore. Because we could kind of like patty cake and say, well, and call it other things. If you habitually cannot stop doing something that displeases the Lord, it's no longer a weakness. That's a bondage. A lot of people ask you, well, I'm weak. I'm weak. Yes, you're weak, but your weakness has evolved into now a bondage. Is opened up to a bondage of demonic strongholds that is that needs to be broken. It needs to be broken by the power of Jesus Christ. Every demonic power that is trying to oppress you, I announce, like Gabriel announced to Mary, that no weapon formed against you shall prosper, and no demonic force is able to hold you down. Listen, listen, no demonic force could be able not only to hold you down, but to get you to go to Jesus. I don't care if you have 2,000 or legions of demons inside of you. Nothing can stop you from getting to Jesus. Those 2,000 demons that were in the, 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 the man of the Gadarenes could not stop that man from going to Jesus. And yet he was bound. Listen, listen. Look, look at Mark chapter 5 for me. Look look at Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, there was a man that was chained up and he was in, he was so filled with demons, demonic power that he would break chains that were put on him, like physical chains. Right? Now I want to pause and say this. There's the, the way that demonic power comes into people is either you or us we willingly and gradually open doors because of our desires, and we don't repent from it, and those doors will evolve into demonic strongholds. It can open I don't have time to give you a big Bible lesson, but if you just look at the Old Testament, the Bible says that Saul's anger opened door for demonic powers the next day. He got angry, and the Bible says the very next day, a, a demonic spirit tormented him. If, if, you, if you open up things so long in your life, it can have an entry open door for demonic power. Demonic power. Watch this. Or, unfortunately, the way that demonic power comes to some people is because the door was open for you. It was forcefully opened for you. When you were a child or, or you were introduced to something, the occult and some things, and now you've opened a door. How do you close the door? Easy. Recognize that it's it's sinful and repent and ask the Lord by his power to close that door. I close the door through my repentance and my obedience. And now I ask the Holy Spirit's power to come in and do what I can't do. When your no or your repentance matches God's power, you win all the time. When your repentance and your no matches, like you do your part. Your part is I repent from this and I say no to this. Now God says, now it's my turn. Now I'll do the rest. Look at, look, look at, this, look at this. Look at this. So they arrived at the other side of the lake. Look at this. Now remember, this guy that you're about to see was bound, not by one demon, not by two demons. When I say bound, it wasn't like oppressing him. They were inside him. He was possessed by demonic power. But look at how Jesus, it was so easy for Jesus. Why? Because he came to oppress, to heal those who are, to get at liberty those who are oppressed. Liberty to those who are bound by spiritual chains. They arrived at the other side of the lake in the in the region, the G- 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 Ganesharet. Now this is NLT, all right? This is NLT so you can see it, all right? When Jesus climbed out of the boat, watch this, I'm going to read this slowly so you know, and you're going to shout. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, he, not, he didn't even make an announcement yet. He didn't say, hey, I am Jesus. Everybody, I just want to serve notice in this island. When I come on this island, I want everybody to know Jesus has arrived. He just, and that whole island was saturated by the power and the glory of God. All he did, all he did was just go. And the Bible says, and immediately a man possessed by evil spirit uh, from the cemetery came to meet him. Look how dumb the enemy is. He came to Jesus. Why? Because even in his desperation, no amount of demonic power was able to stop that man from coming to Jesus. He's tormented day and night. And all of a sudden, he's cutting himself. And that's why when people cut themselves, it's more than just, just what you think. Sometimes it's rooted by demonic power. The Bible says, okay, look, 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 I'm getting ahead of myself. The man lived among the bureau caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Okay, keep going, keep going. Verse 4. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he was often was, he, he snapped the chains from the wrist because of the demonic power, and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, watch this, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself. Howling, manifestation of demonic power, and cutting himself with sharp stones. We call them cutters today. And I'm not saying this to be mean at all, but I want you to know what you're really dealing with. If you're habitually trying to cut yourself, you are opening doors to the demonic realm to try to influence you to say, take your life. Your life is not worth it. This man was bound by demons, and he was cutting himself. He was manifesting. Watch this. Now, now you would think someone who no one could tame, right, that the demons would come up. You've heard stories of demonic powers like putting people in the bed and they can't get up. You would think, okay, you know, Jesus is here. Let's not let this man, let's not expose ourselves, all right? When Jesus was still some distance away, when he was some distance away, the man saw him, and he ran to him. Whew, my God. He saw hope. He saw freedom for the first time. I've been bound all of my life, and all these demonic forces is not going to stop me from getting to Jesus. He ran to him, and he bowed low before him. Bowed low before Jesus. Look at this. And with a shriek. He screamed because the demons were were saying this through him. Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. So now by by that story, he's basically manifesting because he doesn't want to leave. Now remember, it wasn't Jesus that came looking for him. He, in his desperation, with demons bound to him, ran to Jesus. Let me tell you, there's no power on heaven or earth or in this or hell that could stop you from going to Jesus. There's no power in earth or in hell that can stop you from saying, I need to be delivered. We can learn a lot of lessons from this guy right here. Because a lot of well, I just can't stop it. He was so desperate, tired, deep down inside. He probably couldn't even remember half of the stuff he was doing because he was so possessed by demonic power that it was all a blur. He was I mean, if you're howling all the time, you're not in your right mind. You don't know where you're at, yet he knew there's a, there's a shining light over there. That if I just get to it, the power and the peace and the love that I feel radiating from that place is going to end my torture. It's going to end my nightmares. It's going to end the screaming. I got to get to Jesus. Jesus said, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion. This is the demons, demons talking. Now, you may think I'm freaking you out, but that's in the Bible. He came to set captives free. My name is Legion because there are many of us inside this man. I didn't say that. I didn't write the book. The Bible just said that there was many demons inside that man, and those many demons couldn't stop him from seeing Jesus. Then the evil spirits begged Jesus again and again not to send them into the distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter into them. So Jesus gave the demonic, power, the demonic spirits permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. I love it because either way he was dealing with the demons, right? They thought they were safe. And the entire herd of 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. Last, look, look, look at me. Why do I say that? Because there is power, wonder-working power, life-changing power in the name of Jesus. I want to encourage you today, if you have any addiction or if your family has any addiction or if you're currently having demonic activity in your life at the name of Jesus every demonic power must bow before the name of Jesus come on can I hear an amen we got to be careful because it's possible to be saved and open doors again for demonic power in our life I read a book years ago it says how far can a demon go in a Christian's life and the response was as as far as a Christian lets him Here are some promises. Are you ready for some promises? Woo! After this, Joanne and the team, I'm gonna ask you to come to. Oh, I feel the Lord in here. Listen, we serve a victorious Christ. And if you if you continue reading that story, but I didn't because of time, the Bible says that everyone was freaking out because at the end of that, that encounter with Jesus, he was fully set free and in his right mind. In his right mind. You want to you want to you want to uh, have a witnessing uh, opportunity for your worldly friends. Tell them that the name of Jesus could break every chain of darkness and addiction that they have in their life. And when they get in the right mind, people will actually be like, "That is so abnormal. I can't. i I've I'm so used to them being a certain way that they're free." Now watch this. I'm going to give you some scriptures. I'm going to do it real quick. Um, if, if Joanna and the worship team could, jo- could come up here in the, in the, on the stage. We're going to have one more, then we're going to close. Are you enjoying this? Here are some promises from God's word. You're going to, I'm going to pop them out real quick. That promises us, hear me now, promises you. Say promises me. That demonic power has no place or influence in your life. Do you actually believe that, church? Do you actually believe that you could be set free from all demonic power at the name of Jesus? Remember, Jesus just walked on that island and the whole island was saturated with the glory of God that it got that person's attention that was bound. Listen, point people to Jesus. Medication is good, but when medication can't do anything, say Jesus is our deliverer and who the Son sets free is free indeed. You could be You could be healed from that addiction right now. You could be healed from the demonic power now. But you know what? Can I just be honest with you? This is not in my message, but God sometimes needs conduits to say this reality to two people. We've got to boldly say, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over that demonic spirit. I take authority over that demonic thing in my life. Not just over other people's life, in your own life. For these signs shall follow them that believe, they shall lay hands on the sick, and they, shall, and they shall recover, and they shall cast out demons in my name. When's the last time we actually believed that and went to somebody that was addicted and out of their mind and losing their mind and said, i will take authority over that spirit right now. When's the last time we did that? Are we walking in power like the, like the New Testament church? No, we're not. Are we walking with power? I, re- I remember Paul the Apostle was was uh, campaigning and he was doing a ministry. And there was this a sorcerer woman and psychic woman that was following him. These are the people, of the, mo- the, the service of the most high God who God has appointed. And he just kept getting annoyed with her, annoyed with her. And all of a sudden the spirit downloaded on him. She is harassing you from a demonic spirit. He turned around and said, come out of that woman. You would think, and she got set free. You would think. People would be happy for her. They were upset because she was making them money. But do you realize that Paul the Apostle, I want nothing but a thing with him just to be like, come out in the name of Jesus. I'm going to say something. The reason why people don't use their authority, because they don't know their authority. And let me tell you something. Me and Pastor Keith were talking and we got convicted too. We we're talking about some of the homeless people that were here, and they're all sometimes demonically um, influenced. And me and PK were like using um, natural methods to say, "Hey, you know, you got, you know God, you know, I said it before: you, you can't counsel a demon, and you can't disciple. You can't you can't disciple. The, you can't cast out the flesh. You have to decide. You have to discipline your flesh, and you have to cast out demons, right? Now, not everything is demon. I, I get that, but we had a conversation like, you know what? Have we really prayed? I'm just being transparent. Have we really fasted and prayed so that we go up to these homeless people and say, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over that spirit over your life? And we looked at each other and said, no, we haven't, because they were more of an inconvenience to us. But you know what? It's a learning lesson. It's a learning lesson that when we see them and they're willing to have prayer we can take authority over that look at these promises ready if you're in here or you have a family member that's oppressed by the devil or that's addicted that's in severe addiction to any type of drugs or you're addicted to or you have demonic power here's some of your promises along with this Luke chapter 4 here's another one ready are you ready very, very popular scriptures, but I'm just going to quote them right away so to give you hope. Acts chapter 10, verse 36 and 38. It'll you all on the screen. You can follow me. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and beginning from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God Anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. 1 John chapter 3 verse 7 and 8 in the New Living Translation. It says, dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. Watch this. These are all promises. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil. That's pretty hard. Who has been sinning from the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Woo! He came to destroy... For this reason, the Son of God was manifested. He may abolish and destroy and discombobulate the works of the devil. Now look at Matthew 4. This I love this one before we close in the last point. Matthew 4 in the P- Passion Translation. Look it up. It's up there. You can take notes if you want. Take a picture of it. Jesus ministered from place to place. Watch this, guys. I want everyone to l- read that. Throughout all of the province of Galilee, he taught in the synagogues, preaching the hope of the kingdom realm. I love how that reads. And healing every sickness and every disease among the people. That's a foreshadow of the, the last one. For fame, his, uh, his fame spread everywhere. Many people, watch this, who were in pain and suffering with every kind of illness were brought to Jesus for their healing. Watch this, are you ready? Epileptics, paralytics, and those tormented by demonic powers were all set free everyone (laughs) I'm going to read that again epileptics paralytics and those tormented by demonic powers not some were set free not 90% set free were all set free everyone who was brought to Jesus was set free and healed Everyone who was brought to Jesus was healed. Oh, oh my Lord, Jesus. Do you realize that when Jesus stood up and said, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, do you realize that he's still saying that today? He's still standing up, prophetically speaking, and saying, I am your Savior. You cannot just go to church without a born-again experience. You must be born again. I took care of that at the cross. He said, the second thing I took care of at the cross and and the reason I'm coming and the Holy Spirit's anointed me is to heal wounds, bitterness, broken hearts. Come on, church. The third reason that the Holy Spirit has anointed me is so that I could set free those who are bound by addiction and demonic power. And fourthly, one of the, the reasons why the Spirit of God came upon me Look at that fourth and last slide there. To recovery of the sight to the blind. Physical healing. Now I know that that could be used as spiritual, uh, spiritual um, blindness, spiritual uh, healing, but Jesus took care of the spiritual blindness in salvation. Because I was once lost, now I see. That means I was lost in sin, now I could see. The veil is taken off at the cross, at salvation. Two thirds of Jesus' ministry, if you look up the scriptures, he healed physically people's bodies. The Holy Spirit also anointed Jesus, not only for your emotional pain, but for your physical pain. Not just for your mental anguish, but for your physical anguish. Because Jesus said, By his stripes, we are healed if you are here and you have a physical sickness or disease it is not limited to just when jesus died and resurrected and it's over the bible says he's the same yesterday today and forever if he was dead that would be a different thing but he's alive and the life of christ wants to reside in you and i'm almost done We celebrate this Christmas season asking yourself, if you need emotional healing, he's your all in all. If you need to stop weeping because of your pain, he's your healer emotionally. If you need to be healed from sickness or disease of any kind, he still is your healer and the spirit of God came upon him over 2,000 years ago so that he could heal your sickness if you're bound by darkness or someone opened the door for you many years ago and you've struggled with demonic torment and you struggle with darkness and addiction you can't stop doing these things when it comes to drug paraphernalia or whatever it may be when it's induced by the demonic realm Jesus in a moment can set you free and most importantly if you're not saved and you're coming to church and you're looking for hope or you want Jesus to take the pain away from you but you haven't accepted the Lord he came to preach the good news so that we could turn away from our sin and be born again don't sit there in your chairs and feel that it's just okay to log a checklist of you coming to church and being involved and are not born again. You say, well, I said the prayer many years ago, but are you truly bearing fruit of righteousness? Do you find it more easier to sin all the time versus restraining from that? Because you could get to a point where the Bible says he let them over to a reprobate mind and that he, se- he seared They're conscious like a hot iron. There could be a time in your life where you repeatedly are in such bondage that you desire that more than God. If that's you, I ask you to reconsider your walk with the Lord. Maybe maybe that's backsliding for some of you. We talked about that the last couple of weeks. But either way, Jesus heals all. Get that last scripture up in Matthew 9 and then we're going to stand up and close. I want you to see that. That last scripture that I gave you, Zach, in Matthew chapter 9. I want everyone to stand up right now. Has the Lord is speaking to you today? You know why He's your all in all? You know why He's your all in all? Go ahead, Zach, put that as in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Here's what the Bible says about healing. It says Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel to the kingdom. Listen, listen, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So it's not just diseases. It's not just I want. I, I know this sounds crazy, but it's not just the hard stuff. Some of you say, "Well, I don't got a I don't got a disease, but I got an illness." You're qualified. Some of you, I, I've been guilty of it. It's like. I'll be suffering with a, a, a migraine or, or, or not a migraine, a, a headache or something. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, there's people that have worse things than me, so I'm not going to deal with that. No, God wants to heal even the headache. You say, that's not scriptural. Yes, it was. The, the Bible says that he came to Peter's mother-in-law and touched her hand, and she had a fever. Think about that. Think about that. Oh, Jesus doesn't care about my fever. Then why would he heal someone with a fever? He healed Every sickness. Every sickness and every disease, don't sit there and say, this is what is for me for the rest of my life, you know what I pray for every day, I, I pray for my affliction every day and some days is good, some days I don't feel anything some days I feel a lot, right, but I, I pray every day, I say, Lord, I thank you, I thank you that by your stripes I'm healed, and I thank you that you healed every sickness, and that includes mine, every affliction and I say, one day I'm going to wake up, and you're going to totally heal me, that's my prayer guys, that should be it so I want you to right now close your eyes we're going to pray in just a little bit and we're going to release you to have lunch together but I want you to see that Jesus is your fourfold all in all much more than that but I want you to close your eyes and and ask yourself where do I belong in these four categories do I need to be saved this morning is my heart broken is my emotions broken this morning from things that have happened in my past relationally my marriage or my relationships with friends or, or family. Is my heart broken? He says, today the scripture is fulfilled in your healing to heal the brokenhearted. Are you oppressed or know someone that's oppressed by demonic powers or addictions? He came to set captives free. And if you are sick or diseased in any area of your life, Jesus says, I came to heal those who are blind, those who have physical needs. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com